Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad you've joined us whenever that might be, whether you're live right now or you're watching this in an archive, which you would always find on my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded there for you to avail yourself to free of charge. As long as you're paying your internet bill, uh, you'll be able to watch free. Uh, we have an ongoing Romans teaching right now that I upload there every Monday uh, by lunch and Thursday by lunch. And so uh, it's a great teaching on Romans. Uh, we are in chapter 3 of Romans in that teaching. And there's 23 sessions in chapter 1, 11 sessions in chapter 2. And I believe Monday, this next Monday, will be in part 9 of chapter 3. So I'm really enjoying that teaching. And it's amazing how if you're teaching Galatians or Romans, how they all just tie together because it's the Spirit of God pointing us to Christ and His finished work at all times, and, and I just uh, want to say the YouTube channel again to you to remind you, go there, it's all there, it's in playlist, you don't have to scroll through and find something, just click on playlist, you'll see the Romans teaching, the Galatians teaching, the Crossway Church, you'll even see the Determined playlist for ministers that were uh, here preaching during this past uh, camp meeting that was so wonderful, and, and the Lord blessed us greatly through it. And so uh, avail yourself to those things that are out there for you. Make your own CDs, DVDs. They're out there free of charge for you. That's what we want to do. Put the Word of God out there for you freely to have. Because everything the Lord has for us was provided freely to us. It cost Him, but it was for us free, free grace at Calvary. Amen? So we're in the book of Galatians in our teaching today, and uh, we're in chapter 4. But before we get off into uh, chapter 4, I want to read, I use a Schofield Study Bible to, uh, since 1995 or 96, a man gave me one. And you know, the best study Bible on the planet is obviously, without a doubt, the Expositor Study Bible, as the notes in that Bible always point to Calvary. But I've gotten used to the great Schofield uh, uh, Bible, and, and, and that's what I preach out of. And I want to read just a portion of the heading of this chapter. That's what I, one of the things I like about Schofield Bible is that before the, 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 the book starts, there's an overview of what the book's about, where it was written, when it was written, that information is available in the Word of God. So listen with me just for a second. Uh, Galatians was probably written A.D. 60 during Paul's third visit to Corinth. The occasion of the epistle is evident. It had come to Paul's knowledge that the fickle Galatians, who were not Greeks but Gauls, a stream from the torrent of barbarians which poured into Greece in the third century before Christ had become the prey of the legalizers, the Judaizing missionaries from Palestine. And the theme of Galatians is the vindication of the gospel of grace, of the grace of God, from any uh, admixture of law conditions which qualify or destroy its character of pure grace. When we begin to mess up the gospel, we begin to mess up grace. And I, I like the headings, the, 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 the intros, if you will, of that, that old Schofield put before the books written in this Bible, and I'm sure other Bibles have this as well. But we need to always, I like to always, and I feel like the Lord wants me to always remind us 
when it was, why it was written, and to whom it was written. Those things are important, and most of all, to know that it's written to us. Not just to a church some long time ago, but we're the church as well. And anything the Lord wrote to some church, no matter what church it is, would be relevant to us today because we're the church as well. And I say that the book of Galatians is one of the most relevant letters to the church today because grace is under attack. There's a grace revolution that's a false grace. Yes, they teach you how to be saved, but after that, you can by no means live for God through what they teach. I'm talking about Joseph Prince and, and a lot of the other people in that avenue that by no means can you live for God through the way they teach that we live for God. And, and, and if you don't know how to live for God, then you won't be able to live for God because it does not just happen. You have to know how. That's why we have a Bible, so we can know how to do all the things the Bible tells us to do. And somebody said amen. So, uh, just a reminder that, you know, you don't just need to be reading the Bible. You need to know what's going on, why it was written. And it was written not only to those people in that day, but it's for us today. It speaks volumes to me because I was like one of the Gauls, one of the saved Gentiles who was born again, uh, you know, filled with the Spirit of God and then found myself walking out from away from the path of the just, the path of righteousness. thought I was being led by the Spirit, but it doesn't matter what you think. You must be led by the Spirit, which will always be according to the Word of God, which will always reference, point to, be in the context of Christ and what He did at Calvary. At all times, that is the key. Amen. You know, faith can't even come unless the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God is being revealed to you in the gospel from the Word. Amen. That's just, that's just, it's time we get back to the basics because there's the power of God. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm going to quote that again. You and I cannot live by faith unless our faith comes by hearing God's word in the context of, right, of his righteousness, which only comes through the avenue of the gospel. Amen. So when our faith is in the cross, the Holy Spirit now can reveal the written Word of God to us in its proper context, and faith can come, and then we can go from faith to the next faith that comes by hearing, to the next faith that comes by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the righteousness of God's Word. That's what's being revealed in the Word of God. Not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ that's imputed unto us through our simple faith in the cross, not what we're doing. Amen? And that's the problem in the book of Galatians. The Judaizers have shown up, and they begin to tell uh, the Galatians that, you know, it's not about Christ. It's not about that sacrifice. It's about the law of Moses. Get this, they were using the Word. Men today use the Word out of context. The context is always righteousness or it's out of context. The, the avenue is always the gospel or it's not righteousness of Christ, of God. It's your righteousness of doing. So we're going to begin today in Galatians chapter 4, verse 18 is where we were when we left off. So Paul's telling the Galatians here, but it is, a, it is good to be zealously affected Always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. See, that, this is a serious problem. I know we covered it in the last session, but we'll just cover it just for a second. 
It's very important not to uh, be deceived to the point that your living for God is only in front of a pastor. A lot of people play that game. They, they won't even come to church that they belong to if the pastor is not going to be there. That's very fleshly, it's very carnal, it's very immature to, to know the pastor's not going to be at church, so I really, he's the only one I'm going to listen to, and then you got a problem in your faith. There are churches that people will literally walk into, and if someone that they won't lead in praise and worship is not leading, they will go back home. I've heard stories told. If that preacher, they'll walk in, see who here, if that preacher, you know, is sitting there, or if that brother, whoever, is not going to preach today, they, they'll be disgruntled, or they'll sneak out the back door, or, or they will ask questions before, you are going to be here Sunday, aren't you? And I don't like it when people ask me that. Because they're telling me, if you're not here, I'm not coming. And that's what Paul's dealing with. It's good that you be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you. Because, listen, if you can't come to church and hear the gospel from somebody else in a church that you supposedly are planted in, you're not planted in me, you're planted in a church. You're not planted in me. You're planted in Christ who planted you in a church so that he could affect you. And if you're saying he can't affect you except through me in that church, then you've been distracted and you got big issues on your hand. Amen, Brother Curtis. And I know some people don't like to hear this and bless God. Well, you know, that's the way you think, Brother Curtis. Well, no, there's a problem in Galatia. That when Paul's away, the way the world says it today, while the cat's away, the mice will play. And it's a big problem in the church today. They don't even realize it. They're being deceived that if he's not here, I'm not going. Well, Brother Curtis is not going to be there anyway, Sunday. Why don't we just blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not right. That's not right. It just, and you know what it does? It speaks volumes of where people's faith is. Amen. They don't like it. They'll get mad. They'll leave the church over what I'm saying right now. But let me remind you, Paul said, through by the Spirit of God, it's good. It's it's good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, always in a good thing, not ever once in a while, not when he's preaching, but always in a good thing. Amen. And you know, at Crossway Church, even if I'm not the one speaking, they're going to be pointing you to Calvary, or I wouldn't have them up there when I was gone. Amen. We don't play those games here at Crossway Church. Amen. You know, ministry, the truth, is more important than relationships. Amen. We need to say that today. Paul tells the Galatians that it's okay to be zealously affected at all times, but only in a good thing. Only in a good thing. And that ain't what we call good. That's what the Bible calls good. Amen. And this good thing needs to be happening not only when I'm here, Paul said, but when I'm not here. Amen. Amen. Mm. I could say a lot more, but I'd probably lose a lot more viewers. It's all right. If the, you know, if the Lord can't get them, I can't either. The next verse, chapter 19, says, My little children of whom I travail, and that word travail means struggle in Laborous pain. Paul had such a desire for this church, just like every pastor should have a desire for the church he's been given to, to, to under-shepherd under the Lord Jesus Christ, to see them having Christ formed in them. 
He says here, though, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Because their faith was being moved from the cross to the law, this stopped the forming, the conforming process. You need to understand that church don't have a clue what I'm saying right now. They think that when they're out of the faith, even they don't, they don't really know. I never knew, and 90% of the church today does not know that when we move our faith from the cross, we don't even know we're doing it. Because we know it saved us. But we turn to books and preachers and things and, 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 and substance and things, other things, for power to be sanctified, power to live for God. When we do that, our, we've been distracted from the cross. And now, literally, our faith is in words we speak. We've, as a church, been so deceitfully, uh, deceptively deceived, if I can say it that countryfied way, that we don't, we, for years we didn't even recognize the devil just taunting false ministry in our faces, such as ministries that would be called the believer's voice of victory. It's all over television, that Ken Copeland garbage out there, that that the believer's voice of victory, that's when you declare the Word of God with your lips. Now your faith is in your voice declaring that your faith is not in the Word of God. The believer's voice brings them victory. And the devil's just, hey, got you deceived. You don't even know I'm doing it right in your face. But thank God there came a messenger preaching the cross that opened our eyes, and it's then we begin to see what is false and what is true, praise God. Hallelujah. We need messengers like Paul. We need messengers of the cross because it's only when we're willing to humble ourselves in a brokenness to come back to Calvary can the light be turned on again that we moved off the path of, which is a path of light. Amen. So, Because their faith was being moved from the cross to the law, this stopped the forming of Christ in these Galatians. No forming inward is no fruit outward. Now, I read the first thing the other day in a commentary series that I love to read by a man named John Phillips. He has lots of great things to say about Christ in the Scriptures, and I love it. But he said the first thing, false, that I found in his books, there may be many more, but it's the first thing I found. And when I mention men like this, and uh, it's good that you go, you can study behind them. I'm telling you, there's lots of good things he says about Christ in the Scriptures. But every person that's out there writing good things doesn't mean they're going to get everything right. So his comment on this is that if the Galatians actually go back to law, it means they were never saved. Well, that's a big bunch of mumbo-jumbo. He don't know who's been saved and hadn't. He's not the judge. That's one thing. That's one thing. If you're, if you're riding along in that boat of doctrines that come out and are so contrary to the Bible, but it's just because great-granddaddy and granddaddy and daddy said it, so that makes it right. This once saved, always saved, false doctrine out there, if you're believing that, then you're going to just follow right along with people that will lead you astray. Listen, I was born again at 11 years old and got off track, and the Lord got me back in church, back in the Word, but I was still off track. Even in church and back in the Word. Some people think it's just about prayer and being in the Word. I was in prayer in church in the Word and was still off track. The Judaizers, the legalizers brought the Word of God written to the, to the Galatians using God's Word to get them out of the faith. 
Amen. You can use the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the letter. Amen. And so we, we can see this, that if we move our faith from the cross to anything other than the cross, we're being carried we're moving out of the faith. We're, we're in a place now where we're no longer uh, being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. All He can do now is point us back to where God works in the truth of the gospel. Amen. So, you know, the other day, uh, Brother Keith and I and were in, and Brother Michael, when he was here with us, were in the Baptist bookstore. And, uh, and I shouldn't even said the name of the place, but anyway. <laughs> You know, there, there, there are people that'll talk to you about books and commentaries and they'll talk to you about authors, but when you begin to share the scripture, they'll begin to move away from you. And I mean, even preachers do that. Lots of preachers. You know, I, I long for the moment when somebody comes up to me and begins to share the scripture with me. Yeah, because iron sharpens iron. And that means we pull our swords. Hallelujah. And we begin to sharpen iron, the iron of each other. And, and you know, and, you know that, and that's the way much of the church is today. Even preachers, they'll talk about their church, their events, their programs. They'll talk about the authors that, that they're reading behind, the commentaries, and all this information. But when you pull the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God out, and lay it on the table, even preachers begin to move away. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Maybe it's because I'm not in their denomination or I'm not, but, you know, but what I was sharing was just flat out straight gospel. And every preacher ought to be excited about the gospel. Every preacher ought to be excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For without faith in that, faith in the Word can't even come to you. It's only flesh that comes. That's why most Christians can't live a, a, a powerful, victorious life even when they're in the Word of God, in prayer, in church. If it's not the faith that comes through our knowledge of Christ and Him crucified, our faith that's in His sacrifice, then it's not really faith in the Word. Amen. I know, well, no, brother, my faith can be in the Word without having it in the cross. No, it can't. It cannot. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. And the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel as we believe it by faith and go from faith that came by hearing that truth, from faith that comes by hearing that truth to faith that comes by hearing that truth. In Genesis to Revelation, all the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. We never need to stop saying what I'm saying right now. It'll help those who are determined. It'll help those who are looking for the way back to the path. It'll help them. It'll remove a lot of confusion if we know that the hearing of faith only comes by the gospel of the righteousness of God being revealed in the Word to us. Not money being revealed, not all these other things being revealed, but the righteousness of God being revealed, the righteousness of God being revealed in the Word of God pointing us to Calvary will bring true faith. And we'll go from that faith to true faith to true faith. Amen. That's how far off the church is today. That's why they need to come back to an understanding of this letter. Amen. And if one's faith isn't in the cross, there can be no being conformed into the image of Christ. 
Therefore, no representation of him, no serving of righteousness is taking place. Think about this statement. If my faith is not in the cross alone, I'm not serving God. I may be a hundred miles an hour, seven and a half days a week, blown out, thinking I'm serving God, doing all these things. But if my faith is not in the cross, I cannot serve righteousness. And if I'm not serving righteousness, I'm not serving God. Romans 6 bears it out in that process. And people that hear this, and I know it, Christians, even preachers make this comment, you just don't have to know all that he's saying. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have to know it. If you don't know it, my people, God says, perish because of what they don't know. And when God puts somebody in your life that's using His Word to point to the cross, you better take heed, my friend. It's when you reject it that everything begins to crumble. And then at that point, at that point, you're awakened to the fact by the Holy Spirit that you are faking it. You are faking it. You do have fake news using God's Word out of its righteous context. That's what the Judaizers, the legalizers were doing. They were using God's Word to get people away from Christ and back under the law. Preachers do that today. I did it for years as a preacher. Using God's Word to get God's people back away from grace and back under law while I'm touting grace all the time, but not pointing to Calvary. It can't work. There is no grace unless my faith is in the cross. There is no understanding. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 9:10 that understanding is the knowledge of the holy. And Romans 6 bears out that the holy, the fruit of holiness is only as we are found serving righteousness through our faith in the cross. Holiness, righteousness is the only avenue that leads unto holiness. So therefore, understanding to be the knowledge of the holy, then we must have a knowledge, good knowledge and understanding of the Word of God in its righteous context pertaining to Christ and in crucified. Because holiness, let me say it again, only through bearing the fruits of righteousness through faith in the cross can we be unto holiness. Holiness is only the fruit of righteousness. Amen. That's why I love teaching the book of Galatians right now, especially where we are right now in chapter 3. It's powerful. Very powerful. When the subject, really, the main subject of Paul really becomes righteousness. Because, see, it's, it's where you think the avenue of your righteousness comes that's going to determine where you're found walking. If you think your righteousness comes based on what you do, then you're going to be found being killed by the letter of the law. God's Word being used by you to bring destruction to your life while you're faking it all the way. But if your faith is in the cross, Galatians 2.21 tells us that the righteousness of God only comes through the death of Jesus, not the law of anything we do, but the work He provided. If that's where your faith is, you're not faking it, my friend. And if you're not faking it, then you're preaching what will keep others from faking it. Praise God. That's good stuff. So, one more comment before I move on here, and that is back to what we talked about before. Just because you get off track doesn't mean you were never saved. And whoever preaches that garbage better be glad that they are wrong and that I'm right. 
Because if when we get off track and go back under law and accept this for, for being justified or, or being uh, sanctified before God and it's wrong, but we're lost, we, we were never really saved, that, that really, my friends, is unbiblical. Take, for instance, Peter in Galatians chapter 2, which we studied previously in this same teaching. When he jumped up, removed himself from the Galatians, and joined the ranks of the Judaizers and went back under law, it does not mean he was never saved. It means he needed a rebuke, which God gave him, and he repented and came back. So don't go around believing folk that say just because folk go back under the law, they were never saved. Amen. Just because folk go back into sin, even in the world, don't go telling folk they were never saved. Because most preachers today do not preach the righteousness of God's Word, and that, my friend, is a sin. So they better be glad that His mercy and His grace and His loving kindness holds us even when we've turned away and He sends people into our lives through the Word of God, the Apostle Paul, or just a word from the Lord, or through getting on YouTube or online social media and finding some preacher that God is using to point you back to Calvary. And the day when the day comes where you say, okay, God, I accept this, I accept this, I'm letting everything else go, then your ministry will begin. And God will begin to pour out on that which is true. Because He cannot do it. It's all you. If it's not the Word of God in righteousness. It's, t- it's hard on our families as preachers if we're not preaching the liberating truth of Jesus Christ. Your wife will want to quit way before you do, preacher. Your kids ain't going to want no part of this, preacher, when they grow up if you're not preaching the liberating truth of Jesus Christ that brings the true grace of God. All these titles, they're PK kids, they're preacher's kids. So, you know, you can expect probably the worst out of them. That comes from a long lineage of not knowing the liberating, sanctifying, justifying truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching a bunch of law, kids raised up in law, Wives struggling along under the same law. The whole family just broke all the time and sad and hurt, calling it a grieving over the people when they don't even know themselves are being beat down because they don't know the way of truth. I know I'm preaching good this morning. I came to teach, but that's all right. Paul here says, In Galatians 4 and 20, I desire to be present with you now. Remember, he's writing probably from his third, in his third journey to Corinth. That's what we read earlier in about AD 60. And he's telling him, I want to be with you. Now, this is the heart of a pastor right here. This is the heart of somebody who really loves God, loves the church. Let me say something about that. If you love God, you love the church. And you want to be among the church. Couch sitters, listen, I'm not talking about folks that can't go because they're incapacitated or they just can't get up and get out. I'm not talking about them that live in a place where there's no gospel preaching churches. I'm talking about folk who live right there within driving distance and, and they just can't, they can't go. Listen. You're going to find out one day when the Lord finally gets you up out of that house and in a congregation that's preaching the truth, just what you've been missing. Just what you've been... Yes, you do need it. Oh, more than you need. 
more than you need. He says, I want to be present with you now and to change my voice because I stand in doubt of you. Paul's letter was tough. It was stern. It was tough. But how many of you know Paul wanted to be there with them? So when somebody writes you a letter, it, you know, you don't really know the spirit behind that letter. You can't see them. You don't know how they're saying it. You're just reading words. But when somebody's with you, you can see their body movements, you can see their facial gestures, you you can know if they're pounding and trying to knock you out the back door of the church, or if what they're saying is just trying to woo you back to the Lord and get you closer to Him. You know, He wants to be with them. We always want to be together. There is a desire for Christians to want to be together with other Christians. And folks who are out there doing the Lone Ranger thing, and, you know, I've been in 20 churches and I just ain't found none yet. Well, they're not the problem, my sister, my brother. They're not the man. A lot of t- if they're not preaching the truth, they're the problem. But if you got a cross-eyed preacher, if you got a preacher in the town, if you got a church in your community preaching the message of the cross, there it is. You've been waiting for a... Get up and get out, the voice and thunder from heaven. If you got a, a, a preacher, true preacher in your town, preaching God's Word in the avenue of the cross, which is the avenue of the righteousness of His Word, that's Him telling you to get up and get out and get planted in that place where you can flourish in the courts of your God. You need, If you're waiting on that voice to tell you to get up and get out, a lot of people are waiting, well, God hadn't told me to leave. But you know, reality, he didn't tell you to go there either. We're there because mama was there, grandma was there, best friends there, co-worker was there. Amen. Trace back. You're not a dumb old cow. Trace back as the human being that you are. Remember why you went there. Who invited you there? And where are you? Are they preaching? It don't matter what you're doing in the Sunday school class. This is where... The sign goes out to the community. It's what we all believe right here in the pulpit. Don't matter what you claim you're getting to do in the Sunday school class. No, you represent this message that comes out of this pulpit because this pulpit is what goes out for the church to be known by, not what you're teaching back there in a little Sunday school room. Somebody said, Amen. So it's time to get up and get out for a lot of you. Amen. The tone, Paul, the tone... Paul desired to change pervades the entire book. Paul wanted to be firm but gentle with these believers, he, these Galatians. He loved them. Never forget that. If you've got a preacher that loves you, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. You're going to know it. People know when the preacher loves them. And that's what Paul wanted them to know, that he loves them. And it was a tone of amazement and fatherly distress over children who were throwing away life itself. Paul, listen, Paul says it this way, that I'm travailing until Christ be birthed in you, formed in you again. You know, because here's what happens. And the church is really deceived about all this. When we're pulled away from the cross... And we are, if we're into the purpose-driven, the words you speak, the government of twelve, all these other things, even if our faith gets moved from the cross to prayer, to fasting, to praise. If you think praise and worship is your answer for deliverance, salvation, or, or, or uh, anything else from the Lord, listen. Your provision comes from the Lord through your faith in the cross. Salvation, deliverance, all those things will be a blessing to us. 
because God gave us these things to walk in because our faith is right. Amen. But the can't none of them save you, can't none of them deliver you. Amen. So it's, it's very important that we be honest with ourselves. Maybe you're listening to me today and you're, you're waking up to the reality that I've not been preaching what this guy's talking about. And preachers out there, they, they watch our Facebook pages. They watch and they, they tune in every once in a while and they listen. And the ones that just disagree with us are the ones that are not preaching the righteousness of God's Word. Because let me tell you what happens when you finally come back to the, to your first love. It's because you came back to Calvary. Not because you preached a message on returning to your first love and you go in your closet and you, your closet and you cry before the Lord. Listen, no, it's only when you come back to Calvary have you returned for, to your first love. Right. And preachers who disagree with us, I'm sorry, they're not walking there. They've got too much at stake to let go of. What they've done, what they've got, what they've worked their way up to, what they've earned. They value more than the simple finished work of Christ. And they say preachers like us just preach out of hurt, resentment, and pain, and suffering. Well, I guess Paul could be put in that category then. Paul cared about the church enough to rebuke Peter face to face, enough to to write this letter to the Galatians in spite of what he knew some may believe about him. If I become your enemy, I'm I'm probably going to become the enemy of some of these people. Lord, if I write this letter, Lord, write it anyway, Paul. Preach it anyway, Paul. Preach it anyway, preacher. Not everybody's going to get on the ark with you. You know, I, uh, you know, you gotta go back to Noah and think about Noah just had a wife, three sons and their wives. And the Bible says in Genesis 5 and 30 that Noah had brothers and sisters. But he was never able to influence them. But the good news is they were never able to influence him. So keep preaching it, preacher, even when the preacher across town or the preacher you used to be with years ago won't come on board with you because they're still caught up in all they've built, the, the plateau they finally, calling it God, but it ain't, they finally reached this, what they've dreamed of, but they're not preaching this glorious gospel in this narrow capacity because if they did, they're going to have some enemies. And most preachers today, most Christians will walk away from the gospel before they let it make someone become an enemy to them. Think about that. If the preacher's preaching the truth, he's going to have some people that are at enmity with him. going to happen. Not because you didn't get the carpet. That ain't the kind of enmity that they wanted. Not because you didn't build that room over there just like they wanted it. Not because you didn't change the praise and worship. No, no. There's always going to be fleshly, carnal people out there. I'm talking about those who have become at enmity with you because you are declaring the truth of the Word of God. And you won't quit preaching the truth of God's Word. That you're not one of those that puts the cross in this file, and then next week we're preaching this, and the next week we're preaching this. The cross is the power of God in every sermon, or it's a sermon without power. If the, now, you need to write this down, or you need to listen to this again. Whichever. You need to write this down. If, the, if all God's words are in righteousness... 
Proverbs 8 and 8. And the only avenue of God's righteousness is the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and Galatians 2, 21, spelling it out specifically that the gospel is the death of Jesus Christ, the avenue of all God's words that are in righteousness comes to us only through the gospel. So every message, I don't care about those that are out there who are building this big clique of preachers who say, you don't have to talk about the cross all the time. And I don't care how seasoned and mature they may be, I don't listen, I disregard that, because every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we live by. And the Bible says in Romans 18 that the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is in righteousness. And every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which is righteousness, is only revealed through the gospel. That don't mean through the gospel you getting saved. No, it means every verse in the Bible is only going by the Holy Spirit to be able to give you the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the faith that will come, the grace you need if you receive it by faith in the cross. When you remove your faith from the cross, you've removed yourself from the path through which faith comes from hearing God's Word in its righteous context. See, this is just good preacher. Preachers hear it, they can't refute it, but they're not willing to let go of all their relationships. You know why? Because all these relationships are the ones who got them where they are. If the gospel, the message of the cross has not gotten you where you stand today, it wasn't God that got you there. It was you. And that preacher that knew that preacher that knew that preacher. God picks the least likely to succeed. Stands them in the least likely places. And draws the most least likely to be drawn people who are humble and broken just to be saved and to walk with the Lord Jesus. We don't need what men offer. We need what God offers and that's the gospel. Thank God we can encourage and edify each other only in the truth. Amen. I know I'm doing good this morning. Hallelujah. And it ain't because I know I'm smart. Listen, what I'm sharing, I just get from other men. I'm simple and easy, but I can learn from them. I can learn from you. I can be corrected by them. I can be corrected by you. I'm not on some high plateau. Amen. If Peter that walked on water and Peter that saw 3,000 people saved when he preached at Pentecost can be uh, rebuked, by Paul, I can be rebuked. If I can't, I'm in trouble. Mm. But Paul loved these people. You know, if you're operating under the Spirit of God, you're not going to write people off. Well, they ain't believing anyway. You know, these, you know, when the, and I know somebody just said, well, the Bible says shake the dust off, off your feet and keep going. That's talking about trying to get people saved that don't want to hear it. That ain't talking about... Saved people. We have a longing to see saved people walk in their salvation. And, and we will do, we will pray for them, even not only pray for them, but Lord, I'm praying for myself. If it, it's, if it's me you want to use to help them back on the path, let it be, Lord. I, just whatever. 
Because our desire is like Paul's to see them back in the truth. Verse 21 says, Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And then what Paul is, is about to endeavor to do, now, now watch this, it's very good today. Uh, what Paul is about to do is sort of the same thing the Judaizers are doing, but in a different direction. The Judaizers are using God's Word to try to bring them out from under grace and back under law. Paul is going to reach back with the Scriptures to prove you better stay under grace, because law ain't done nothing for you but condemn you. Amen. We probably, I don't know how far we'll get into this, but I want to, I want to say something and I want us to look at a, at a scripture in the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 19 because in verse 21 of chapter 4 in Galatians he says, tell me you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? This kind of lets us know that there's a debate going on in the, in the Gentile, in the Galatian church among the Gentiles, and I believe it's because we can see even in other places in the New Testament where the Jewish Christians in Gentile churches had a problem of trying to hang on to the law too. There was always an influence, uh, maybe not the Galatian church, people had to come from outside, but there's always a temptation to go back into our own works instead of keeping our faith in the finished, I said finished, work of Christ. So, you know, and, and, and I want to say something about this. You know, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, there was, a, there was a desire in them to be under the law. And let me tell you something. When, when, when the enemy sees your flesh turning, you turning away from the cross to go back into the flesh, the enemy's going to send messengers of the flesh to you. He's going to acknowledge your false faith, and he's going to put uh, something in your ear that's going to make you feel good about what you're doing now. But see, it's not about what you do. Well, bless God, it is too. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did for you at Calvary. Well, after I'm saved, it's about what I do. No, sir, it's still not about what you do. It's about what you allow him to do through you. God only honors what God does. At the judgment seat of Christ, for all of us who are born again, that's where we will appear. There, everything that He has been able to do in us and through us will be gold and silver. It'll be rewarded. But everything we've done because our faith was only in the cross when we got saved, but after that, we've chosen all these lanes, these avenues of thinking that the power of God was going to be because we're doing this. Then it's just us. It's just us. He's not doing it through you. If your faith is not in the cross, He's not doing it in you and through you. We've got a Bible right here. We wouldn't need the letter to the Galatians if this wasn't important. And, and if what I just said wasn't true. Amen. Wait till we get in chapter 5 when Paul, the Holy Spirit, rather, through the Apostle Paul, gets real blunt and says, if you go back to them, if you go out there with them, you turn away and serve that. If you go get circumcised, believe in the law again, you fall from grace. Christ can't profit you or affect you any longer. That's serious stuff. That's serious stuff. That proves whatever you're doing outside of faith in the cross, which allows the Holy Spirit to work in and through you, 
And your faith ain't in the cross if you're preaching the purpose driven in the government of twelve and the words you speak, or your faith is in anything for salvation or deliverance. Your faith ain't there. It was, maybe, but it ain't there now. And that's what's happening in this church of Galatia. God, through Paul's reaching them to bring them back to a focus of Calvary. Amen. So watch this in... He tells them, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, which proves to us there was some in the church who had a desire now to be under law. They had a desire to be back again in their own works because you know what? It makes you feel good about yourself if you're doing the work. Look what I did. It's easily kindergarten put this way. If I think I can get baptized, do a work myself, that becomes a self-righteousness. Those who teach water baptism for salvation are teaching self-righteousness. For the righteousness of God only comes through faith in the death of Jesus. That's in your Bible. Are you really a Bible believer? Oh, am I really a Bible believer? i got to get away. You may be in a church that your preacher don't even know what I'm telling you. And you're not to stay there and keep giving money to that false uh, lawful preaching, ministry of condemnation. You're to get up and get out. Yes, you love him, but you can't honor him no more. Not, not as a preacher of righteousness, because he ain't preaching the cross, therefore he ain't preaching righteousness. Ain't it? Using God's word out of context. So watch this. Tell me, <coughs> you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Watch this, and, and let's get over in the book of Romans, chapter 3. Oh, I'm excited about this. Verse 19 in Romans, chapter 3. Now, we know. Everybody say, we know. We know. That don't mean everybody. Right. We, in the New Testament, are those who follow what Paul taught. Faith in the cross alone. Don't move it. And you'll be in the we. Now, we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law. If you've got a desire to go back under law, hear me, that's because the law you're allowing the law to speak to you again. That's what preachers do that tell you you've got to be water baptized to be saved. They're under the law of works, not Ten Commandments. The law is anything you think you have to do to be saved or sanctified. Anything you have to do yourself is a self-righteousness which only is found under the law. So the preachers who are preaching anything other than the cross for justification, sanctification, the provision from heaven that God is offering, they're preaching law. They're actually laying a table of condemnation and the people are eating it and they're in condemnation. They can't help it. I don't care. They don't believe what I'm saying, but I got a Bible. I got a Bible. They won't ever come and sit down at the table with me concerning what I preach or teach, and it's because my Andrew says they don't have a leg to stand on, Dad. They walk away and say, I just, I don't have to believe that. I don't believe that. But they won't get in the Word to see that it's actually true. And here's where the deception is. They actually believe, as I used to, that God's just going to honor whatever it is I believe. He's not. If he would, rip that book of Galatians out, burn it, because we don't need it. It does matter exactly what you believe. Amen. Amen. Let me say something to you, preacher. If you're not preaching the cross, you're not preaching God's Word in its context. 
You can't help nobody. You're not being helped yourself. It's not the Holy Spirit giving you whatever it is you are preaching. Don't care if you shake all over and, 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 and cry and put on a good emotional show. And, and the people are moved through, through your emotions into emotionalism, through your tears to their tears. If it's not the gospel, it ain't God. Oh, I don't like you anymore, Pastor Curtis. Oh, I still love you. I still care enough about you. See, it's not about being popular and famous and, and saying the right things to get more money. It's about just simply telling it like he is, preaching the truth of the Word. Amen. Have I become your enemy? Have I told you something that wasn't biblical? No, I haven't. Romans 3.19. Now, we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, colon, everybody say colon, what do, what do we know about the colon? The colon is, if you see a colon in a Bible verse, it's about to make something more understandable about what was just said. In the book of Proverbs, you see a colon almost in every single verse. You see a colon because you see something contrary on the, on the latter part to the first part. And the latter part is made better understood by what's on the other side of the colon, or the first part is made better understood by what's on the latter part. But listen, when there's a colon, if you'll read what's on both sides, you'll have a better understanding of the Scripture. So watch this. Let me start over. Now, we know... That what things soever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Who's under the law? Those that are, have never placed faith in the cross or those of us who have, but now we've gone back under law thinking it's by what we do, our tithing up and their tithing up, and we've allowed a, a pyramid scheme to come into the church and using uh, the Bible to put us under law. Amen. That every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. What does that mean? Listen, the law... And, and, and look, turn a couple pages over to chapter 5, verse 20. But most of us know this. Some may watch it may not. Verse 20 of chapter 5 in the book of Romans. Moreover, the law entered. Why? That the offense might abound. This shows you what happens if we're under law. Our offense abounds. You can't live by law. Even the laws you put before your own self. I won't ever do that again. You did. I won't ever say that again. You did. We've all done that. You can't live by law because law only condemns. Think about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says the law, even though it was a glorious ministry, was a law of condemnation, a ministry of condemnation and death. The law could not save us in what the law could not do in that it was weak through our flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to die for our sins. Romans chapter 8, the law can't do it. And not just the Ten Commandments, no law can save. No denominational law, no law you lay down, not even the law of God's Word. How many of you know God's Word is law? All of it. It's all law. God gave Adam a law. And God's desire for the law of His people is to be free. First thing God ever said to Adam, you're free to eat of all the trees in the garden. Just Now here comes getting down to the law. 
Don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That was a law. God's word came forth. God's word, even the promises that God gives, comes with warnings. Every promise comes with a warning. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on Him should never, here comes the warning, perish. A warning of perishing. A warning of all the, being able to eat of all the trees in the garden, but don't eat of that tree, because that'll keep you from eating off all the rest of the trees. And you'll die. That's law. That's law. God's law. And the psalmist would write the psalms, he would say, Oh, teach me thy law. Simply referring to God's Word. Amen. Even the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that because the priesthood changed, now the law has changed. We're no longer under the law of Moses for righteousness' sake. We're under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, who delivered us from sin, who saved us from sin through His cross. He delivered us from the law of sin and death. Amen. Why go back to the law of sin and death, which is simply the law of me doing anything for salvation or sanctification? There's, that's a sin. Do you know that it's a sin for you to pick up a purpose-driven book and move your faith into the things it's telling you to do? Because if your faith is no longer in the cross, but now these three things this book's telling you to do are the government of twelve. Now, we've got to do this. We've got to get a group of twelve. We've got to get these three men to have a group of twelve under them because that's biblical, you know. Jesus picked twelve. <laughs> he didn't tell you to go pick twelve. He told you to get out there and take the gospel to the ends of the world. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> that's good news. We can be so deceived if we're under law. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. 520 in Romans. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Listen. And, and we go back to uh, Romans 319. Now, we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, thank God we're not under law, we're under grace as long as our faith is in the cross, and law's not speaking to me. Law's not speaking to me. I'm not listening to law. I'm listening to the Son of God that the Bible says in these last days He speaks to us by His Son. Not by law, but by His Son. The Old Testament, God spoke about His Son through the law, the prophets and the Psalms in the New Covenant. Now that we're in, He's speaking to us by His Son. Glory to God. Not about His Son, but by His Son. Himself speaking to us by the Spirit of the Son. That's good news. I got quiet up in here this morning. Sometimes we get quiet when we ought to be running. We, we, we stop when we ought to be running. We get quiet when we ought to be shouting. Hallelujah. The Old Testament was about a coming Son of God, a Redeemer. The new, and, he, and He spoke about His Son. But in the New Testament, He's speaking to us by His Son. Under the law, He spoke to the fathers by the prophets about the coming Son. And we know He did because Jesus said the, the, the Scriptures are about me. But today, He's not speaking to us by the Old Testament. He can use the Old Testament, but it's the Son of God in these last days speaking even that which was written of old that's about Him. God's speaking to us by His Son. Yes, He still used the Old Scriptures because they are about Jesus. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. I, you know, every once in a while I say it makes you want to run all the way down to Dairy Queen and get a dilly bar. 
Well, I, our Ohio friends at the camp meeting said, Brother Curtis, I, I went and got one of them dilly bars. I, I didn't like it too much. I told them, I don't know where that came from. I hadn't had a dilly bar in years. I just came out one night, so there you have it. Now watch this. In, in, in Romans 3.19, it says, We know that what things soever the law says, and, and we're reading the Scripture because Paul says, Are you guys desiring to be under the law again? Some of y'all desiring to go back under law? And Romans 3 says, Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, Why? That every mouth may be stopped. God's intention when we see the law, we know we can't do it, we close our mouths and quit saying, I can be brought to a justifying faith in Christ Jesus and say, thank God He did because I couldn't. That's what it's about. Shut your mouth. You can't do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And I know somebody here, well, bless God, I can do all things through Christ. That not by quoting that scripture. If your faith is in Christ, which means it's in the cross, if it's not the cross, it ain't in Christ. If your faith is in Christ, it's in the cross. And if it's there, you can do all things through Christ. Because through Christ means what he did at Calvary. Amen. Amen. You can't explain it any other way. Amen. Amen. And all the world may become guilty before God. Amen. And uh, this is pretty powerful. The love of God is constantly reaching... Not only for a lost world, and I want to say this today as I get ready to close, it, close this teaching out. Last two or three minutes we have. God's focus, some folk ain't going to like this, that's alright. God's, He wants to save the world, He loves the world, He wants to save them. But where is God's focus through the Apostle Paul? It's to the church. Well, where is God's focus today? It's on the church. If God can get His church walking in the path of righteousness, in the truth, then God's church, can He can function through His church and reach a lost and dying world. God's focus is the church. Notice, Paul didn't write letters to his lost relatives, to his law, nothing wrong with that, but God didn't move Paul to write letters to a lost and dying world. God used Paul to try to reach a backslidden church. God's focus in the Old Covenant was the nation of Israel. God's focus in the New Testament is the church. You say, well, you mean he ain't concerned with the lost world? Yes, he is. But the way he reaches the lost world is through the church. Not any other avenue. And let me say this to narrow it on down. It's only through those who are preaching the cross. It's the only avenue of being saved. And if we keep preaching the cross, then we'll keep, then we'll see God's people continue in that path of righteousness, continue to grow in God's, the knowledge of, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we keep preaching this gospel. You see, God's word is out of context if we're not viewing it through the gospel. Never forget that. Some people, this flies right over their head. I've been sharing this now for a few months now. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. All the words of God's mouth, Proverbs 8 and 8, are in righteousness. The only way you can serve God, according to Romans chapter 6, is by walking in that place of serving righteousness, that you became a servant of righteousness when you were freed from your sin through faith in the cross. The only way to serve God is by serving righteousness. The only way to serve righteousness 
is to keep your faith in the cross. Yes, the Bible, all the Bible is important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But it must be faith in that avenue through which righteousness, the righteousness of God's Word comes before it is true faith that comes. If I'm using God's Word for something other than to point to Calvary, then I'm using it out of its context. And hear me, faith can't come. Flesh comes. And flesh corrupts. Flesh destroys. And hear me this morning, flesh ruling, flesh ruling is only found happening under the law. Under the law. Read Galatians chapter 5. We'll get to it in a couple of years. And uh, we're just in chapter 4 right now. I want to make this comment. Law says do. Grace says done. Law says try. Grace says trust. Law says it's up to you. Grace says it's up to him. Law takes us to Mount Sinai. Grace takes us to Mount Calvary. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're out of time. We love you. God bless you. Until next time, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.